Well, welcome back to the Originals podcast. You're here with GK and... Caleb's here. Caleb's here. And we are joined by a lovely guest today, Andrew, aka AJ Hearn. Say hello. Yo, yo. Our bro. <laughs> we're going to talk some cool stuff today. Yeah, we're pumped. I think it's going to be cool. We're going to talk about coffee. Mm. I think it's something that is a driving force in most of our lives. Metaphorically agree? and literally. <laughs> <I think. laughs> it's a necessity. Yeah. I think every young adult listening to this podcast, every adult you listening know what? to this Almost podcast. Almost any, and those that can survive life without coffee, I admire that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes sure. I think I admire that, and sometimes I th- feel sorry for them too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. The joy I feel in a cold morning <laughs> <laughs> when I <laughs> just, I've surfed and I've come out and my mouth is salty and I have that sweet, sweet coffee. It's just, mm. it's dreamy. It's all mm. we want in life. You're painting a picture. I am. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it could almost be an OG recommendation. <laughs> what, drinking coffee? Every Straight day. Straight after a surf. Well, yeah. that's true. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't really have to just be a surf. It can be anything, really. Yeah. It can be anything. Rolling but out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with some OG recommendations. Georgia, Kate, you can go first. I'm going to call GK. mine a life hack. Okay, go Rather for it. than an, well, it's, an, it's a recommendation, something that I've put into practice a few times this week. Pretty boring. I always come across the more practical approach. Getting resourceful with what's in your fridge or pantry. Okay. Okay. Mm. So, a couple of times, twice this week, we've had all the ingredients we've needed to make a meal except a major protein. Okay. Like, i.e., spaghetti, but I didn't have any mints. Mm. But I had everything else I needed, just those pantry staples, plus a few extra vegetables. Vegetarian spaghetti. There you go. Boom. Didn't have to go to the shops to get that one thing that turns into 15 things that cost you $85. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a win. <laughs> also had a bunch of vegetables, like a lot of vegetables that needed to be used. Yeah, great. Veggie bake. Perfect. Perfect. It was a win. So you're not wasting, Such not a spending. Hack. Ec- it's a, well... <laughs> A life hack, let's call it a life hack. <laughs> if you're not a mum, you can still do that. Yeah, uh, true. Pretty true. boring. I feel like we get content overload. You can't listen. Yeah. There's not enough hours in the day to listen to all the different podcasts that we recommend. Mm. Okay. Even though I know you're about to recommend a podcast. <laughs> but just <laughs> there's just a, a different angle on OG recommendations. So. Yeah, I think that's good because I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And um, people probably just want something fresh. Well... Yeah. Vegetarian fresh. Vegetarian fresh. Vegetarian fresh. Well, your that wife's vegetarian, right? Yeah, I had spaghetti with lentils instead of mints. Yum. Wow. Yeah. Must be nice. Yeah, it's Sounds good. Sounds bougie. She's as. a great cook. Yeah, she is. She is I'm a very cook. lucky. I want to be like you, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, Andrew, what is yours? Oh, what um, do you recommend to the young adults? So recently, me and my wife have been on a fitness journey, ah. which is very hard when you've got kids, mm. busy job, mm. your life, and... It's very hard for me and Maddie because she starts work at 4.30 in the morning as a barista Mm. and I take the kids to school and then we juggle the afternoon depending on who finishes first and whatever else. So it's very hard to go to a scheduled class when, you know. Every day is different. Every day is different. Mm. Kid could be sick. Something comes up. School, you've got swimming practice. Everything comes into it. So it gets a bit hectic. But I will say this one thing that um, if you can make time for even if it's the smallest physical mm. something workout during the day, you just feel so much better for it. And yeah, for us who've been on the journey now for six months, um, you know, your confidence, your everything about you just, I mm. guess, brightens, makes mm. you feel better. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. I think, um, you know, everyone can say they have an excuse. Um, <laughs> and 
I totally understand, mm. but if people can make time um, in their day for some sort of physical activity, yeah, yeah, highly recommend it. Mm. Um, it's good for the soul, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had to interact my physical workout with my little boy, Orlando, so mm. we're now doing mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu. Cool. And, yeah. and he so loves it because he gets little gloves out and a couple of punches here and no. there and he thinks it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Just can't have him do that at kindy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, at least it gets him out, gets me out. We spend yeah. time together. We're fit. So, yeah, it's good. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I think out. that's a good just everyday. Like, and these two really practical life hacks that we should all just follow. Surfing. You know I yeah. thought it just then, like, you say – people feel like they don't have the time. I reckon if people swiped across and looked at their phone activity. Mm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, there's no excuse. I remember Shane Willard, Mm. past podcaster, um, he gave that idea of, you know, if you tally up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, add up your hours you're doing, take away work, sleep, whatever you do, Mm. if you look at it, most people are left with like 40 hours plus a week that they can't attribute anything for. Mm. So there's time. And yeah. that, I think when you see that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that far out. I think um, just in general, I like the idea of when you're doing exercise, like I try to say, people who struggle with getting out and doing exercise, try and find something fun. Yeah. That is exercise. Mm. Yeah. Like if you struggle with going to the gym, like I personally – I don't mind the gym, but it doesn't excite me to mm. go to the gym. Mm. But to go play basketball with the crew mates yep. or to go surfing or, Definitely. you know, go do a hike with the family. You know, these things actually make me feel good as a person. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm actually doing both things. I'm bringing joy to my life in some sort of rhythm or balance Definitely. as well as fitness, mm. you know. And the endorphins chemically, all those things that t- that actually comes from doing physical exercise is mm. so important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, my, my OG recommendation is just typical Caleb <laughs> recommendation. It's another podcast. And I started <laughs> listening to it last night and I am addicted. It is so – it's called The Sure Thing. It's um, by the Australian Financial Review. And it's about Australia's biggest inside trading heist. Mm. Interesting. And it is – so cool oh my <laughs> gosh guys listen to the first episode and you're going to be hooked you're going to love it actually dude you've got to listen to it basically it the idea is these two young guys come out of uni one gets a job um on the um he works for like the um bureau of statistics sort of thing for australia and his mate he went to uni with gets a job as in the trading desk for um oh, i'm gonna mess it up um let me just make sure i get it right um, it's like currency exchange. Oh, yeah. And so what he does is he finds out that his mate's working for the Bureau of Statistics. So he can get the statistics of what comes out before anyone else. <laughs> so he finds out about the in, um, employment percentage in Australia, if it's going up or down. So those numbers usually take a while before they're let out to the public. He would tell his mate. And so and then he would p- either short on what the – what the, the, Market, the market's going to do, yep. it either short it or he'll invest in it. I'll make it to Tesla. And, and the idea is he starts, they, <laughs> they go and they're like, we're just going to make a, sh- a small couple of hundred grand, that's it, and then we're going to get out. Wow. And then the whole story goes on that the money just becomes too easy and no one gets it until, uh, anyway, it's so good. Wow. Okay? okay. The sure thing, listen to it. Don't get greedy. Don't <laughs> get greedy. That's all it is. Yeah. So good. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, we'll keep going. Um, okay, man. So tell us a bit about you. Right. So born and bred, Gold Coast, um, obviously 
A lot of family here, Caleb, GK. Um, you know, if you didn't know. Yeah, well, all family, all close. Um, but yeah, yeah, born on the boat on the Gold Coast, um, becoming a highway church pretty much all my life, really, um, for a very long time. So it's definitely home. Yeah, epic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, I work in the coffee industry. Um, it's a great industry to be in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Booming. Yeah, it's booming. Yeah, it's doing very well. Uh, and always will be. It's a very addictive product. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great industry to be in. I'm very much a people person. Love mm. to talk, love to chat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the job definitely, you know, resonates with me. Mm. Um, but yeah, a little bit about myself. So I grew up here my whole life on the Gold Coast, done lots of things, lifeguarding to, I don't know, dancing, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, a few years ago, moved down to Radelaide. Um, Radelaide. Oh, wow. Radelaide. I know it's hard for a surfer because there's no surf there. Yeah, I feel like the right. only people from Adelaide call it Radelaide. Yeah, that's yeah. where I learned it from. Well, okay. he's not from Adelaide. No. People in Adelaide. In Adelaide. Gotta yeah. fit in. So <laughs> <laughs> start drinking Farmers Union. Yeah. No more ice break. So yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously wasn't a huge coffee person um, at all. Because your dream was always to fly planes. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, did the Air Force uh, recruitment. Yeah. Um, passed all the tests and got approved for pilot. Mm. And then uh, when I went deeper into it, mm. I was um, advised that in order to be a pilot, regardless if I passed or not, um, it doesn't guarantee you mm. a flying job. Mm. Um, it just guarantees if I guess you got the mindset for it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, 11 and a half years minimum service yeah. uh, approved from the recruitment office wow. to be a pilot. And if you fail at anything... You know, it could be 12, could be 13 years. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, that's too much of my life. For it's sure. a long time to be stuck with the Defence Force. So I decided to search for a civilian option mm. and went down to Adelaide to do my um, uh, private licence and my commercial licence uh, through FTA down there, uh, which was quite the experience. <laughs> um, it was very difficult. Um, everything's fast-tracked. So yeah. in order to be a pilot at Griffith University, you take a four-year degree. Mine mm. was done in a year. Yeah. Wow. So everything is fly and study at the same time. So there's no breaks. There's no six months of yeah, theory and intense. then you go to fly or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I did my private licence after six weeks um, and then moved on to my commercial. Uh, did my night licence, my uh, multi-engine licence. I did my, um, you know, VFI, IFI, all those uh, visual flying and night flying, instrument flying. Um, wow. Yeah, it was full on. It was very intense, mm. um, very intense time of my life. And uh, got towards finishing that and honestly was feeling very drained from yeah, it all. for sure. Um, the prospect of getting a job was sold to me differently than when I first, I guess, towards the end. Okay. I started to get a realisation that in order for me to fly, I would have to go to Africa, Papua New Guinea, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whoop whoop in Australia, and even that wasn't guaranteed. Yeah, um, and the industry is very much who you know, mm. not so much what you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, the outlook for jobs was very bleak. So a mate of mine in Adelaide who was at Edge Church, um, he invited me to come work as a barista uh, <laughs> just to get some money because obviously I had no money. <laughs> totally, and there was no flying jobs. Um, and so I went down and worked at patio specialty coffee roasters mm. um and i'm very lucky that they roast coffee they train people to industry standards they are wow. one of the coolest specialty coffee roasters in adelaide okay um so i learned a lot 
very quickly. Mm. Um, within six months, I was a head trainer. Now, wow. I remember, yeah. I used to drink a bit of coffee back then. Oh, yeah. You were my coffee guru. And I you, had no idea. You didn't, you didn't drink coffee at all. I drank like I'm just going to set this scene before you, <laughs> you didn't really even drink coffee at all. It was no, like I drank ice break. Ice break and that oh, was yeah. it. That was disgusting. That's yeah. it. Okay, yeah. there we go. I actually think my first coffee was you took me to Elk. Yeah, okay. And I had a mocha. Oh, no. And it was oh, disgusting. No. It was horrible. So, there we go. Yeah, my uh, – I, I, I never expected – You can be, thank me later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I never expected to get into coffee. Yeah. It was not something I wanted to do. I wanted to fly. Mm. Um, wow. And, yeah, once I got into it and I really enjoyed it, mm. um, the money was still good. Um, and, yeah, I kind of um, – I guess push my flying aside. Mm. Um, I mean, even today, if I really wanted to, I could probably still go back there. Mm. But the thing for me is, I met a lot of pilots who went through divorces yeah. and tough lives because it's quite yeah yeah. You're flying night times, Christmas mm. Day. There's no you don't get to pick and choose. You do what the company tells you to do, mm. um, and it doesn't start off all rainbows and big money. You've got to work the hard yards for years, flying dangerous yeah, okay. places. Mm. Yeah. It's very hard on your family. Mm. Um, and I think, obviously, once I met my wife, now Maddie, mm. uh, we've got kids, it would be really difficult yeah, totally. to do yeah, that. Wow. Um, Even, like, the thought of being a pilot during COVID. Oh, well, oh you know, <laughs> the industries, like, I know people who have been 40 years, commercial pilots have lost their jobs, and yeah. they literally, they don't have any way to transition into mm. any other industry because... Mm. There's Such nothing, a specialty skill. It is, and it's totally. it, it costs so much to do it. Mm. And then in order to go and do something else, there's not much you can really transition totally. to. Totally, yeah. Wow. Um, so I really feel for a lot of the pilots yeah. in the it's aviation. Brutal, hey? Yeah, and it's not going to wow. get better. For a long time. Yeah, so. Very slow. Um, but anyway, yeah, six months into Adelaide, felt like God was kind of calling me home. But you were you were enjoying flying, right? Like oh, yeah. Up in there in the plane. Oh, you yeah. Were, I actually remember. I, was a bag. <laughs> I remember I was working a job and I got a text from you. Yeah, and it's a picture of you <laughs> in your in your uniform, flying like I don't know how many thousand feet with yeah. your hand out taking a yeah. selfie, <laughs> one handed holding. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, oh, we did we did some cheeky things. I had was friends. This, what's some wild things you did? Uh, the worst thing I did was we made flower bombs uh, before we flew and hid them in our backpacks. And a mate of mine was wakeboarding on the Murray River, which is near Adelaide kind of way. Mm. And we have a transponder which tells the air traffic control how high you are mm. and where you are in the radar. And you can turn it off. Oh, no. <laughs> so not for too long because obviously they think you crash. Totally. Um, but we would turn our transponders off and the ceiling height for flying is about 1,000 feet. Like okay. I think below that you can kind of get in trouble, especially with silos and the farm stations and oh, whatever God. else. Yeah. And um, I called my mate who was out wakeboarding on their boat and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, about to come over top of you. <laughs> and um, they all stopped their boat and I flew down like really low, like really, really no. low, pull out the window and drop stuff out, trying to hit them with the plane, yeah. So we did dog fights with the boys too. Like we'd fly behind each other, which is illegal too. You're not really supposed to do that unless you have yeah, okay. approval. Oh, and we would try to shoot each other down. and Just being silly. Just being silly, pretty Epic. dangerous stuff. But um, yeah, you can get away with a little the bit, but not too much. things you do when you're a... Yeah. When you, when you think you're well, when you don't have an instructor in the yeah. plane with you, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. you're finally set free. Yeah, there was some, um, yeah. When we, we had friends drive out to aerodromes and we would land when we're not supposed to, pick them up, take them for joy flights and then drop them do back. silly things, drop them back and then leave, you know, because... <laughs> 
we wanted them to experience flying or whatever yeah, else. Cool. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, very dangerous stuff. But no, it was good. It's, um, yeah, I highly recommend if anyone wants to become a pilot to still do it. It's yeah, just yeah. one of those industries you've got to be realistic as to you've how got to be hard aware. it is. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't aware. I was okay. sold that I'd get a job like that. Yeah. You just okay. walk out of there and it's just mm. silver platter, you know, and it, it wasn't that way at all. Mm. Mm. Um, and I know why they do that, obviously, to get more people to, to join up. That's and right. to, to get training. To get trained. So, <laughs> but yeah, don't let that damper anyone who wants to be a pilot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So you loved it. You enjoyed it, but you just saw that at the end, it didn't look like something that would align with where your life was going, the yeah. direction you wanted to go. If I was a single man, you know, I would have jumped at that opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that time's come and gone. For sure. <laughs> okay. So you work in this cafe, roastery, yep. you start loving it, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to move back to Queensland, back yep. to the family, back to surf, back to everything. Back to the good times. Back to the promised land. That's it. And then Obviously. from what? What happens then? Yeah, so um, came back here. Um, within a week, I applied to the top coffee roasters on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, had like four interviews mm. um, and finally landed a gig at a local roaster called Supreme. Yeah. Uh, met this interesting character, lovely guy, <laughs> uh, Roger, um, who actually... Shout out. Yeah, <laughs> bit of a shout out for this guy. Anyway, um, yeah, spent four years working for them. Yep. Um, and again, really grew my repertoire in the coffee industry. Mm. I'm, I'm very lucky, I guess, and blessed for what the opportunity I have within coffee. Yeah, cool. I mean, there are baristas who work massive hours, mm. 10 years straight, mm. and don't get the opportunity that mm. I got. Um, I mean, to get a job with a coffee roaster is something that people like work years and years and years to get or whatever. Mm. Um, and I'm very lucky that I was blessed with that, which is awesome. So good. Um, and yeah, met really cool cafe owners on the Gold Coast. Um, Obviously built his brand. Um, long story short, that kind of ended. Yep. Um, and now I am currently working for a, an amazing coffee roaster called Seven Miles, mm. uh, based out of Manly in Sydney. Mm. Um, and they do exceptional coffee. Mm. Um, and they really have a lot of support. Um, they've allowed me to grow more within the industry. So last, uh, not last year because of COVID, the year before that, I became a qualified uh, Queensland certified judge yep. uh, for the ASCA, which is the Australian Specialty Coffee Roast Association. Yeah, cool. Um, so all the big coffee events, like they do filter, latte smackdowns, they do um, the sensory things. Wow. Um, obviously the Bristol Championships, which goes worldwide. Yeah, totally. Um, they judge all that here in Australia. Mm. So we do regionals, which is in Queensland. Mm. Uh, top three go to Melbourne for the top 12 in Australia. Yeah. And then the winner from that goes to the Worlds. Um, Far out. Yeah, so I was really given a lot of opportunity within Seven Miles to grow my yeah, cool. portfolio yeah. in coffee. Wow. Um, yeah, so... Wow. Um, and, and so what's your role now? So I am the... Uh, I kind of it's it's a territory manager. Okay. So I manage the Gold Coast and the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. Okay. So that's range under Byron Bay and yeah, yeah. Byron. I think we go down to Coffs actually. Okay. That far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I drive around and get to meet amazing. I get I call them industry leaders because <laughs> they are people who are speaking into everyday people in their lives in their community. Yeah. You know, and they're feeding them with the glorious nectar of coffee, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is <laughs> a great job to have. Um, and yeah, I get to meet some really amazing people. Yeah, and, cool. Um, yeah, it's a. I mean, I like to be moving and busy and and, and talking to people because that's my passion. Mm. So I get to do that every day. Um, that's cool. Yeah, so I've I've definitely come a long way from drinking ice breaks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing judging some of the best baristas in Australia. Yeah. You know, which has been such an opportunity. 
Um, and, you know, next I want to get my world qualification so mm. I can judge worlds. Wow. Um, eventually I'd like to compete myself. Mm. Um, uh, so like Danny Andreas, he's the world champion for tea brewing. Mm. He's a coffee connoisseur. He's in Brisbane. Uh, he runs a, like a, I guess, an experimental... Um, the way that I explain it is when you when you get coffee, mm. uh, there's a there's a process in which you have to dry it out, I guess, before okay. you can drink it. Yeah, uh, and there's lots of different processes. There's washed. There's natural processes. Yeah, totally. um, there's all these experimental processes, which is what he's doing at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's up at Tambourine Coffee Plantation. So if anyone's mm. ever you know want yeah, to check yeah. out some cool plantations mm. and coffee, it's up in Tambo. Yeah, it's cool. Um, it's an expensive course, and seven miles of you know graciously put me through that yeah wow. um, which will be coming up soon actually and that's going to give me heaps of knowledge into how that's cool the coffee industry is growing experimentally and help me to then take that into the judging aspect mm. and also brewing aspect mm. uh, of coffee so so i get it like when amazing. you've moved up from adelaide yeah and you've come into the gold coast at that point you know let's say a couple of years before that the only place you could really get a good coffee was melbourne oh yeah you know and then we've seen the industry explode all around australia and yep. now I don't know. Do you have any figures on how big the industry yeah. is in Australia? So uh, the coffee industry is the second largest commodity to oil. So that can kind of put wow. and show you how big it is as an industry. Really? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, it's insane. So uh, the Gold Coast now has more coffee shops per capita of people than Melbourne. So we've just surpassed Melbourne's per capita oh of people, oh, cafes. What? Yeah. So that was report came out like about a year ago, um, just with the growth on the Gold Coast and how many people okay. are and how many coffee shops. Yeah. That's the growth rate. Yeah. So percentage, yeah. Yeah, percentage, yeah. So it's a massive, massive industry. Wow. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing to understand is, you know, like I, I like to put it at this is you order your coffee, you know, 20 grams of coffee goes into that cup. Mm. You know, that cafe might produce, uh, let's say, 400 coffees. So it depends on how busy they are. Let's say 400 coffees a day. Mm. So 400 times 20 grams of coffee, which is hand-picked. Mm. And that's for one cafe. So imagine, like, for example, Seven Miles, we do tons and tons of coffee. Mm. And we're one coffee roaster. That's yeah. crazy. So you think about how many roasters are in Australia. I think there's registered over a 1,000 coffee yeah. roasters in Australia. Mm. It's just Australia. So if coffee is hand-picked, it's not machine-picked, it's hand-picked. So someone physically walks around one at a time. Picking the beans. Picking a bean. And you need 20 wow. of those beans. Some cherries might have two, you know. But anyway, hand-picking that to make one coffee, and that's just... <laughs> so you can think about how many farms there are, how many people there That's are. Right. So it's a massive industry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's a real juggling. It's so intriguing, eh? Yeah, mm. it's a real juggling uh, act for the roaster and also the farmer because mm. a coffee tree doesn't produce fruit until it's about seven, seven mm. years old, I think it is. Mm. So you've got to wait that long for the tree to produce fruit. Mm. It can take nine months to germate and make a cherry. Mm. You've got to pick it at the right time so it's red and not, you know, underripe mm. you've then got to uh, dry it yeah and you've got to package it and then you've got to send it on a boat to whatever country mm. that country then has to obviously taste it or grab mm. it put it in their blend and then they have to buy a certain amount of it to keep their blend consistent like roast it yeah roast it yeah. they put it in a coffee to sell to someone um so actually that, what does it mean when you say a blend i'm just saying this so to people who may not understand like me yeah like, so like you know Georgia. when you go to a cafe and so have, the beans have come across yeah they've got a bag of they've coffee. got to the roaster yeah so a blend is made up of uh, more than two origins, I guess. One origin. So an origin is, let's say, I go to Ethiopia. I go to a farm. Um, usually the coffee's named after the farm. So it might say Ethiopian, um, I don't know, Blue Mountain or uh, okay. whatever it needs to be. Mm. That's usually the name of the farm. 
So mm. that's where you can tell where the coffee's from. So mm. Brazil, Santos or something. Santos is the region or the okay. farm that it's from. Yeah. Um, a single origin is just that one bean. Yeah, from that one farm. That one farm, that's a single origin. Yeah. Um, and then a blend is made up of multiple single origins yes. to give you a desired flavour. So most coffee blends are built around uh, milk-based coffee yes. because 95% of the market drink flat whites, mm. lattes, cappuccinos, yes. and only like 5% drink a black. Yeah. Mm. So most of the blends are developed to be milk chocolate, caramels, mm. all those sweet flavours you get in a milk coffee. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so in order to make that blend consistent, the foaster has to purchase a certain amount of coffee so that they can keep that flavour consistent, let's say, over Brings. a year. Yeah. Um, the problem is a lot of farms don't produce <laughs> the same coffee. So how do I explain this without confusing oh, everyone? Wow. But... Let's say you have a mountain. Yeah. You have one year where you get really high rainfall on one side and mm. it gives you mango-flavoured coffee. Yeah. It, people will be like, mango-flavoured, but it, it happens. Okay. So mango-flavoured coffee. Coffee. Um, you sell it in your blend. It helps make your blend sweet and like Guys a milkshake. Guys are tasting it. They make it. Yeah, that's yep. right. So they make wow. it. Beautiful. With that, yeah. The next year, I want to buy some more of that coffee. So I keep my blend tasting like mangoes mm. and I buy coffee from that farm and I taste it and now it's pawpaw. And I'm like, well, that's not what I tasted last time. The reason why is rainfall changes, mm. temperature changes, mm. um, soil content, pH levels, all yep. those things will change. Um, the, the actual natural bacteria within the coffees change. Yeah, um, multiple things can affect the flavor. It could have that green bag of beans could have mm. been left in the sun for two months in a warehouse, and that could kill the coffee as well. Lots of things can affect wow. it. So the roaster's job is to find coffee. Uh, that can replicate the flavor you're looking for. So yeah. they might have to go to 30 or 40 farms to find that one yeah, flavor yeah. they like to then purchase a year supply of that or whatever they need <laughs> to keep their blends consistent. So it's not a simple process of, oh, just going to pick something and chuck it in a bag. Mm. They physically have to make multiple samples and multiple roasts of different coffees to make sure they can make sure that it's the same wow. so it's a huge process <laughs> yeah. in order to get coffee so wow. like that's a great um, insight mm. yeah I, at seven miles i was blown away um because obviously they're more of a, a medium-sized coffee roaster um they have a massive team in sydney who mm. test uh, we've got two graders um really qualified people who okay. taste every single blend mm. every wow. single roast we do they've got these microwave looking machines i think they're called and they shoot light wave particles through the beans and it tells you the roast color what? So that oh we can make gosh. sure the roast is consistent for our customers. Wow. Um, it's Which I understand because the market, like you talk to some people and they yeah. only go to their one cafe mm. because they love the flavour of their flat white yeah. that they get takeaway from that place every morning. Mm. Yeah. And so that cafe, to keep that person, needs to have a consistent flavour. Yeah. So they're always going back to get that, you know. Yeah. And so there's actually oh a lot gosh. of pressure. That's Wow. Yeah, and it's not even just like that whole process can be intoxicatingly hard to try to manage. Mm. Now, let's say the roaster does manage it and then they deliver this beautiful bag of coffee to the yeah. cafe. The cafe owner, I don't know, leaves it in the sun oh and then it kills the beans because that obviously overheated yeah, yeah. the bag. Uh, the barista could overheat the milk. Oh my god! The barista so could leave the coffee in the group head for too long. Um, the grind could be off, and the shot could run short or long, and give you either sour or sweeter or more bold, bitter flavor. Yeah, there's multiple things that can affect that shot. So our job, I guess, my job, yeah. is to go to my cafes, teach them on how to be as consistent as mm. possible by following a recipe, mm. um, by obviously servicing their equipment to yeah. make sure that it's the right temperature. Their blades are sharp in their grinder, um, all those things. So it's it's a real juggling act, and I think for baristas, they don't probably get enough 
you know, that it's it's a craft what they have to do. Totally. Um, and yeah, there's obviously not enough roosters as there is, but it's a very difficult job because you're dealing with trying to please people. Um, and it's very easy for someone to <laughs> get upset when the coffee's not made oh, right totally. or whatever. So I know I think for me is obviously everyone has their um, their specific roaster they like, but for me I guess all coffee deserves respect because mm. of the process, mm. the years it takes to grow it, the process in which to to pick it, to taste it, to to blend it, you know, to roast it, all that's a massive art. So in order to get it right, it's you know it's hard work. So yeah. I, I give every roaster a bit of respect, I guess. So. That's amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, in your question before, obviously everyone liked Melbourne coffee. You know, Melbourne's been the forefront for specialty coffee for years. You know, some mm. of the biggest roasters are out there. Yeah, totally. Um, and they're well known. But I guess for Melbourne is they've got their own way of making coffee, which is a light roasted coffee. Mm. Um, and we've actually noticed a shift where Queenslanders like a darker coffee. Speak to most people, they want a strong, mm. you know, sweet coffee or whatever. Um, and that Melbourne light roasted coffee is just losing traction. Wow. So we've definitely noticed people wanting a stronger coffee here in the Gold Coast and More Queensland. Wow. Yeah. I think people want to have a coffee and taste it rather yeah. than just having like a sweet cup of milk. So, Far out. Wow, wow, wow. Did you know there was that much in it, Georgia? I really didn't. And yeah. I'm guilty of not giving people who are involved with coffee <laughs> enough credit. <laughs> I'm not one to return a coffee if it's uh, not to my liking. Like I'll – Yeah. I'm not the person to ask, was it a good cup of coffee? <laughs> but that's really opened my eyes. It's yeah. fascinating. Which is good because I think people need to know like – you know, there's lots of different ways of brewing coffee, as we understand. Definitely. There's lots of ways, you know, they might walk up to a cafe and they see on the board, filter today, single origin Ethiopian. And they yep. look at that and it says like washed or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're going to go, what does that mean? Yep. Yeah, I'll have that, but I have no idea. Yeah. Mm. So origin, single origin is just, it's from the one farm. One farm, usually a, a specific uh, high quality bean. So for example, Everyone's heard of specialty coffee. Mm. Uh, in order to have uh, specialty coffee, a Q grader physically has to go to a farm, taste it and grade it. Uh, anything over not, uh, 86 is, is meant to be specialty coffee. Um, and so you, you pay more money for that. Mm. Um, it that also product. comes down, yeah, to like different, I guess, uh, drying methods. So mm. washed or natural. So a washed method, literally, it's, it's a really quick process. They wash the coffee, they take the cherry pulp off and um, they dry it out over a couple of days, two days, whatever it is, and, and you get in a bag. And mm. you get really clean sort of flavours, whereas mm. in a natural roast, a natural, um, sorry, like a processing method, um, it's they leave the cherry on, so it absorbs all the sugars and the, and the, the glucose from the cherry, which uh. gives the green bean, I guess, more of a sweeter... Sometimes you can open a green bean smell like intense fruit mm. from a natural coffee. Wow. Um, and then they dry it, um, or well, they let it sit for like 18 days. It's, mm. it's a massive process. Um, and you pay more for something like that because of that processing method. Yeah, but totally. in a natural, you're going to get some real acidic, sweet, um, Which is really what you're running through more through a, f a, f a filter, right? Yeah. Because you want to taste all the fruit, all yeah, the, the flavor. Yeah, the whiny, you know, yeah. thick syrupy sort of coffees. So mm. it all depends on flavor and what people like. But mm. you pay obviously a premium for a single origin of a higher quality. Mm. Um, I mean, I've heard of coffees going for like six, seven hundred dollars for like a wow. hundred grams. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I think the we had a coffee come out of Colombia a couple of years ago, which is the most expensive coffee in the world at the time. Mm. And I think it sold for like eight hundred something dollars a kilo or whatever. Oh, I would agree. Oh, I forget what it was. It was it was a lot of money. Mm. A lot of money. So mm. um and I mean even with that, it takes the wrong grind. 
the wrong temperature of yeah, water. That's right. And then to ruin it. Then so it's gone. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's so stressful. It is. Wow. Yeah. So, and a lot of times too, like I'm very lucky that when I do the judging, yeah. these competitors will spend a lot of money on getting something really that's yummy right. to showcase mm. and I get to taste it. So. How do you go drinking that much coffee? I'll never yes. understand how you're not just a wreck. So I'm not 100% if this is true to backed up, but I thought I've been told is potassium in bananas breaks down caffeine in your stomach. So a lot of times if you're ever having a high caffeine day, have a banana. It's meant to help deal with that. Mm. Um, but I definitely am addicted to coffee. Um, <laughs> I think if I don't have a coffee by 9 or 10 o'clock, I get headaches. Really? Mm. Bad headaches. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, because of my job, I drink a lot of coffee. I'm mm. always tasting coffee. Okay. Customers are always like, you know, what is this like? Is it yeah, all right? Yeah. And I do got a lot of competitors mm. and taste their coffee as well. So I'm having anywhere from five to six cups, maybe more a day. Wow. Um, so yeah, my caffeine intake is quite high, which is probably bad. But um, I do know that the Heart Foundation gave uh, coffee the tick of approval <laughs> recently. So that helps my mind. As in tick probably of, in yes. moderation. <laughs> yeah, like it's moderation. One to two or a certain We approve drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, blood flow and all sorts of stuff. So we like, like yeah. <laughs> ten, 10 cups. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, I mean, it's it's good for you in moderation for sure. I mean, yeah. you can overdose on coffee, yeah, but it, you have to drink a lot of it's it. It's hard, so. and you're like you say, you yeah. go to see customers, and they want you to see how their coffee's, coffee's tasting. tasting. Like, yeah. it's hard even if to people say, listening hey, listening now, like you go to some people, and they're like, oh, I just love getting that triple shot yeah. with extra syrup, and you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah, you'll get sixty five degrees. That's yeah. right, and just might as well just have like, you know, yeah. go go to the supermarket to get you your coffee fix. Mm. Yeah, no. Get at, get at home, get a cup, thing of blend forty three and whatever, and you're yeah. good. You're not getting any of the flavor, anything there. No, but there's different ways of making coffee, so you're going to get more caffeine content on different ways you drink the coffee too, right? So Correct. if you get a filter, it's a higher, higher. caffeine rate yep. um, content. Yeah. Whereas an espresso shot is lower. Is that right? Yes, it's 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 lower. Um, just a recent plug here. If you want to go check out some uh, obviously some coffee knowledge, mm. um, definitely go to Seven Miles website. We've got editorials on. Everything, even cool. like how to make a coffee for home. Yeah, great. Um, so if you ever want to learn, we've got more, YouTube videos too. Hey? YouTube videos, yeah. which um, my mate Josh Robertson runs, and yep. it's amazing. There's heaps of it's just basic, basic mm. knowledge for anyone to learn about. Um, if you want to learn more about, like, obviously, if you're really into coffee and you want to learn about the farmers and all sorts of stuff, yeah, there's editorials totally. on that, roasting cool. profile, a whole bunch of stuff. So definitely check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, with filter, you've got immersion brewing um, and different ways of, I guess, extracting your coffees. Uh, filter coffee, you're going to get a higher caffeine content than you are an espresso. Um, it's also because you're making more of it as well, I guess. Mm. But um, I mean, for me, like I'm a lactose intolerance, which I've only just <laughs> developed recently, <laughs> which really makes it hard. Classic. But then again, we are lucky. There's a lot of alternative dairy milks totally. on the market now, so that helps. Mm. But I drink a lot of filter coffee, which is higher in caffeine content, mm. um, but it's more of a cleaner I guess coffee. Mm. There's no milk. It's smooth. It's you get more subtle flavors out of it than you would an espresso. Oh, definitely nowhere um, near as much fat. Yeah, that you you know yeah and the milk that you mm. espresso is brewed under pressure, whereas the filter's not. So that's right. You're getting a different extraction because when you put pressure on something, you're going to get more flavor out of it. I guess so. Mm. Um, yeah. So it makes sense why yeah. we say there's such thing as a coffee snob. Oh, definitely. Don't you reckon? Like I think definitely. I don't get me wrong. In life, we all like nice things. Like mm. you want to yeah. eat the nice food, you want to eat the nice drink. You know, you don't want to drink the right. You know, I'm st saying that 
when you hear people that go to specific cafes and yeah. people go, oh, you're just a snob. Well, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you can why. appreciate the You art. can appreciate <laughs> it. That's yeah. right. That it's actually like the process. Because yep. lately, you know, we, we as originals, but we really value, you know, good ethics. We value looking after people, yeah. all this kind of yeah. thing that comes into the play of it. And when you start thinking about the process on how a good coffee is brought to that counter that you're about to drink yep. from, you know, it's a big process. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm really interested more even on the farming side. Yeah, I yeah. was going to ask that. Um, Do you know much about the farmers behind Yeah, because I know, like, um, it comes from a specific area. Like, give us, an, like, a bit of a backstory. Where it started, like, the conditions it needs yeah. to be made coffee, the regions yeah. and okay. the so environments of the people. You need high altitude, mm. yeah. uh, low temperatures, because um, that allows the cherry to, I guess... Uh, it makes it more dense because obviously at lower temperatures, things become particles come closer together. Mm. So the more dense the coffee is, usually the more flavoursome it is. I mean, you can get coffees at like 1,000 metres. Tambourine Mountain's 500 metres and we can get coffee from there. It's usually not very tasty coffee. Mm. Um, in comparison, probably. In comparison, yeah. definitely. Like you've got some large producers like Columbia, you know, these sort of places have altitudes of like, you know, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 metres, I guess. And then you've got Ethiopia, which hits up to 3,000, you know. Wow. So, um, and obviously those higher regions like Ethiopia, you're going to get more intense flavours from coffees. Um, so, yeah, coffee is obviously grown in, there's multiple areas. There's actual farms that have cleared, I guess, um, the mountainsides and built coffee trees everywhere. They're all in rows. It's all, you know, organised. But there's other farms that actually grow coffee within just a natural environment. So, like, you'll be walking through a rainforest and there'll just be a coffee tree here and there just stuck on a mountainside somewhere. There could be wow. fruit mixed in with it. Um, I think the biggest thing is obviously with farmers, uh, they're not just wanting to rely on one source of income. So they'll, a lot of them will do coffee, but they'll do fruit or they'll do some sort of vegetable or something to grow alongside of it. Um, and we have different certifications too, like a rainforest certification, which says that they're not deforesting to create mm. coffee plantations. Mm. Um, a lot of these plantations have been owned by generations and generations of the same family. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, like we talk about, different farmers and different regions. There's coffee all over the world. Some are well-known, some aren't. Um, you know, like Yemen is the first place coffee was found. Mm. Apparently back in like the Middle East ages, the, totally. the, um, wow. the monks were using Yemen coffee uh, as like a ceremonial drink yeah, um, wow. just for the <laughs> priests and stuff. Um, but apparently the first story of how coffee was found was there was a farmer and he had a goat and he was eating these cherries and the goat would go nuts. And it wouldn't, mm. <laughs> wouldn't fall asleep. And he was like, what is this thing? And apparently that's how coffee was wow. discovered. Wow. Yeah, goat eating coffee cherries. So, yeah. um, But, I mean, yeah, so different farmers obviously have generations of people growing mm. the coffees um, and doing other things to try to make money. And this is probably the biggest thing that people don't understand about the coffee industry. Um, you know, like um, going between the farms and obviously off, top, off topic, you know, you pay $4 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. I think the average price today for... Uh, everyone to get their cut is like six or seven dollars a cup of coffee. That's what we should be paying. Wow. Um, and obviously, that's very hard to introduce because people cafes want to outdo each other mm. totally. and get someone to come in their doors, so they'll lower their price a little bit to get someone in. Or um, you know, other people might be willing to pay more for a good cup of coffee, but it's very hard to change that because it's set at mm. what it is. But the problem is, is you've got these farmers uh, getting the smallest cut of what? that four dollar mm. cup of coffee and. Unfortunately, with the industry, they always lose out. 
And the problem we have is at the moment is um, a lot of farmers overseas are cutting their crops down to, to grow other things that are more valuable like yeah. avocados because Europe can't grow avocados and mm. they have to buy them, import them all. That's right. Um, Everyone loves their smash avo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a very popular product. So yeah. people are cutting down the farms to do that. There's also a lot of, um, you know, different diseases that go through the coffee trees that have been affecting them. A big storm might come through, wipe out the entire crop. Mm. There's lots of things that are affecting that yeah. coffee. Um, it's a slow process to build it back up. To build it back up. And yeah. then you've got these coffee roasters um, who probably don't play by the books and are buying yeah. coffee at a cheaper price than what they should and they're mm. not paying a, a premium to the farmer. Mm. And so um, it, it hurts everyone in the industry. Mm. Um, the industry in general, let's just make that disclaimer. Yeah. It's not a seven miles. Yes, no, we, we, yeah, we're definitely, we, we support a couple of farms directly. So we yeah. actually put money back into the farms because... The awesome. farms are a community. So yeah. usually it's not the owner out there picking coffee by himself. That's right. It's the people who live in that village. Or he will employ 100, 200 people from the village to come in and pick coffee and he pays them. So yeah. if we can put a school, you know, if we can build a, a brand Amazing. new wash facility so now they can wow. produce more coffee, they can make more, they can employ mm. more and it helps the community grow. And so that's Great. what our vision that's is awesome. at Seven Miles is to help that. Mm. Um, you know, we partner with um, green bean suppliers too who actually go out and broker and they visit farms and purchase and we purchase off them as well. Great. But everything's done to an ethical standard. Awesome. awesome. Um, but yeah, you can pretty much get coffee anywhere in the world. China, um, no way. you know, Mount Everest sort of way, like off near the Tibet yeah, Islands, there's totally. coffee farms out there. Um, India, you know, yeah. there's beautiful coffee in India. Um, Australia, obviously. Mm. Mm. Anywhere you can usually buy coffee. There's a lot of different farms in New Zealand, Hawaii, um, all over the place. Wow. Um, but yeah, Hawaii. The, yeah, there's coffee farms in Hawaii. Yeah, no on the right on along the pineapple farms. Yep. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess the higher the altitude, the soil. So you yeah, know, volcanic soil. Yeah. Ethiopia is very well known for their beautiful red, rich soil. That's right. Um, all that stuff helps the coffee. High rainfall, content, yeah. mineral contents, everything. Wow. So and that's where coffee is so unique that mm. it can be tasting one thing one day and then the next year it could taste completely different. So yeah. and it makes me wonder, like you as someone who work in, works in the industry, okay, if it's a part of most people's life. Mm. Every, most people we know drink a coffee a day at least. Yeah. Now we all value it at a certain amount, and some people value it a lot more. They're happy to go to those really nice, beautiful cafes pay a premium, yep. have something they really like. But how does it make you feel when you're driving and you see um, these f chains that are charging, you know, a gold coin, a dollar or two dollars yeah. for a coffee? Um, and when you know the process, you know the mm. journey yeah. of how they get to that. I, I get they, yes, they have a lot of pulling. They've got a lot of yep. in, incoming. Maybe there's been subsidised in other parts of that business that yep. are helping pay. For, maybe they are paying. I don't know. Yeah. I'm speaking from a very... Yeah. But from the outside looking at that and you know now the process yeah. and you're going and buying a dollar coffee. Yeah. But how does that make you feel? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I think but what it comes down to is just, just not enough uh, communication. Awareness. Yeah. Awareness, that's exactly it, is that most people just don't understand mm. and they're just convenience of I'm going to mm. get this dollar coffee mm. and don't care how it tastes, but I'm going to get my hits here later. Um, and that's been a real drive. I think even the last year since COVID, a lot of the coffee roasters um, have actually tried to do the whole campaign on social media of, mm. you know, your cup of coffee and kind of breaking down where it comes from mm. and sustainable and farm direct and all the stuff to try to explain to the community that, um, yeah, there's a better way of buying a cup of coffee and better way to support people. Um, mm. I mean, even small business, the Gold Coast, Small. If, if there's one thing young adults can take from this or anyone can listen to is we've just come out of a pandemic pandemic, ugh, mm -hmm. and we have cafe owners who have gone through 
heartache after That's heartache. Right. Mm. They've lost business. They've yeah. had to close. They've had to shut. Just do takeaway. Or just do takeaway. Mm. Ten people in their little, th- you know. Usually it's a mum and dad yeah. trying to pay for their life, you know, and they're someone from your community. If you can go out and support them mm. rather than a commercial chain. Come on. Um I think that is where people's hearts should be. And uh, to be fair, a lot of people on the Gold Coast are going there. The, mm. the, the coffee community has really changed from, you went to someone and said, I'm going to get Zarafis coffee. Love, no other offense to Zarafis. <laughs> but, you know, I think people would be like, nah, yeah. I'll go to my local instead. So totally. it's definitely changing. It's become culture. It has. Yeah. And we do have that great culture on the Gold Coast, but it's also too, um, you know, the more these change that do these cheaper coffees, mm. it's going to affect in the long run because if uh, we lose more coffee farms because mm. of the, the price is not there, mm. the demand for coffee doesn't stop. Mm. So the demand continues to increase actually because more yeah, people are, you know, grow. Yeah. And then you've got less coffee to meet that demand, which mm. means more roasters are now biting for the same coffees mm. and now they're fighting each other to get it and the farmer can now increase his price, which is probably good for the farmer. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But then what it will do is in three years' time, mm. you've got to get your coffee at your local cafe and you're paying 7 8 $9 a cup mm. and people are getting angry Mm. That that's why it's yeah, because okay. there's that there needs to be that um, you know good trend yeah. transition between people paying a fair amount for coffee and then supporting the farmers and everyone in that chain before it gets to the cafe or to it's, you. It's easy to do when you understand the yeah. backstory. Yeah, mm. um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing you know. Um, but that, it's, it's very hard to change when you've got so many cafe owners trying to compete for the market, trying to stay afloat, mm. and you know, a cafe opens next door to you and they drop their coffee by fifty cents. Mm. It's very hard to compete compete with that. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I love um, you know getting to know the barista, getting mm. to know yeah. the owner of the cafe, yeah. the aesthetic of the cafe. You're somewhere that you feel like it makes you, it inspires Your value, you. Yeah. Mm. you. You know, it shows value to you and. When you get in behind it, it's almost like you find your people. Yeah. Like it's your community that you go and you support their business. Yep. Yeah. And you help them grow. Yeah. And as well, they support you with Definitely. the coffee content, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> caffeine. They know your name. Your they kids, know your name. You know. They, that's yeah. right, man. We go to a, a cafe, you know, most days just near us. And, you know, when Margot orders her baby Chino, they don't just give her the regular one marshmallow. They know she likes two. (laughs) And she knows the name of the barista behind it who does her baby Chinos every time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's something, I know, yes, you're paying for it. But you're supporting a business. You're supporting people. Yeah. And Putting you're supporting a smile on a little girl's face. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I love the fact that uh, we're, um, I think us personally, we're yeah. going down a track where we're trying to um, be very conscious with our consuming, how mm. we consume, yeah. and what we consume, and um, what we choose to support by yeah. the money we spend um, and what we consume. So consumerism, we think, is this really bad thing. No, consumerism isn't bad. Yeah. It's part of our everyday life. Yeah. Consumerism is w- what we do. It's how yeah. our world works. But what you do is if you're conscious around what you consume. Mm. And so being smart around not just going to that large chain yeah. who doesn't really affect them and yeah. they may not be following the most ethical process, yep. but going to those small places that are using you know companies like yours and yep. hiring you know great baristas and really focusing on the craft of it. Yeah. You're actually helping not just 
the farmers, not just yep. the, the roasters or the baristas, but you're helping your community. Definitely. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it shows the value behind it. When people go, oh, you know, I don't want to spend that for yeah. $5 for my latte or, yeah. you know. And I mean, baristas on like a minimum wage. You that's know, right. They're earning, so they're earning low money. People forget so. uh, to run a cafe, especially if you do food, the yeah. wage bill because you need so many people to do things. Yeah. And so many Customer specialty service, areas. You know? yeah. Yeah. And no one wants to pay that little bit for their coffee, yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah, that's cool, bro. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, industry to be in, that's for sure. Yeah, I love it. I've definitely learned a lot. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Well, if you have any other questions around coffee, we're going to put up a question box on our Instagram this week. If you have any questions, Andrew's going to answer some questions you have. Um, throw anything at him. He'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. And um, if anyone wants to learn more about coffee, yeah. I highly recommend even young adults come join the Highway Coffee cart and maybe learn some stuff there. Boom. Good right. idea to all training provided. Yeah, yep. and um, yeah, you'll learn how to make some good coffee and understand the process a bit more. And yeah, I reckon we need to start doing some filter. Yeah, yeah, get some start filter getting, going. Let's teach some guys about that. Yeah, let's do it. I love some that. Okay, coffee. so where can they find your socials? Seven miles, everything. So uh, if you ever want to ask me a question, I've got uh, AJ Coffee Guy yep. on Instagram. Um, I showcase all my cafes on there on yep. the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, Seven Miles has their own social media as well. Um, you can ask some questions on that. We obviously yep. have a YouTube channel uh, to go and look at some more stuff uh, and cool. our online editorial. So Awesome. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of coffee indis- indi- information out there. Just yeah. obviously picking through what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, cool. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. All in that bio. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, it's been good hanging. Thank you. Thanks good for having chat. me. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. yeah. It's been good. Let's go get a coffee. Let's go have a coffee. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, we love you all. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Please don't forget, jump onto socials. Let us know what you're thinking. Ask him a question. That'll be really good. Thank you for subscribing, sharing everything we're doing. We're loving you. And um, we've got so many great more episodes coming up. Hey, George Kerr? Definitely do. I just said so many great. There are so many great. (laughs) That's horrible English. (laughs) Hey, we love you all. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.